Delaware County's premier podcast with your hosts, Dennis and Michelle. Welcome to the Bear Cave, everyone. Dennis Errol and Michelle Roselle holding down the Bear Cave as usual. And this week, again, we are sponsored by Abode Real Estate, your professional real estate advisors in Colorado Springs and Taylor County. And Animus Wellbeing, a holistic approach to helping people achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life. Well, Michelle, all I can say is, and just like that, COVID is gone. It is. It's it's a miracle. More about that in a minute, but... uh, well, I think we have a pretty good show planned today for our listeners, and uh, we have Kim Loddick, Main Street Manager and Victor, coming in today, as well as uh, Trevor is back from Vegas. He survived. Yeah. <laughs> good thing. <laughs> yeah, I had a talk with him. It's like, are you okay? We're kind of worried about you. Or, or seeing what you were doing for a while. He's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just, uh, you know, it's like, oh, so you got a food hangover, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he's he's back, and uh, yeah, we got the whole Bear K family back this week, so that's good. And uh, you know what? This is one of those weeks where we actually had some positive feedback. That's impressive. I think it was all about the whores. See, they're still popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. But uh, yeah, no hate mail for a change. Who knows? We might be moving in the right direction. Maybe so. But as everyone knows, we are celebrating National Women's History Month this month. And we have uh, quite the lineup coming into the Bear Cave. There's a few people risking their reputations to actually come down and talk to us. <laughs> we have council members and candidates for the Woodland Park City Council seats coming in. We have Catherine Nakai coming in uh, later on in the month. Kelly Case is coming in on the 16th. And we have the first woman's mayor of Woodland Park who made history, and that is Hillary Labar, who is coming in on the 23rd. So uh, we got a big show. Also, we have talked to Carol Kittleson, who is running for Teller County Assessor who's going to come in. So lots of ladies coming in. It's ladies month and we want to celebrate that. But uh, uh, before I forget, March 8th is International Women's Day. And there's some events going on in your neck of the woods in Cripple Creek, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just kind of wanted to mention that International Women's Day is Tuesday, March 8th. And the Newmont Cripple Creek Victor Mine will be hosting a Purple Mine Blast on that day, and it will be viewed directly from the Cripple Creek Heritage Center. It's estimated to blow about three o'clock in the afternoon, and it is specifically to recognize International Women's Day and the roles of women in modern mining. So it's really a huge event. This is only the second year that they've done it, and to watch a purple blast is really just cool. It's the coolest thing. So it's, it's so it's like a a real live explosion, like boom. Yes. So they'll be literally blasting like they would on a normal basis to to mine for the gold. And with this particular one, they'll put a bunch of purple chalk in there. So when it blasts, all this purple chalk goes up into the air. And they do want to to make a preface that uh, the purple chalk has no environmental issues or anything. It's all completely online and um, there will also be representatives of the Newmont Cripple Creek Victor Mine on hand that you can talk to them about anything. Oh, I am so there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Come up and see it. Check it out. It's 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 awesome. If you've never seen a blast, it's the coolest thing. <laughs> well, I've, I've seen blasts like, at, you know, at Kennecott Copper Mine in, in Salt Lake City area before, but uh, that was a long, long time ago when I was a kid. And, but, you know, anything that explodes or goes boom, I'm, I'm, I'm like, so there. It's, right? Exactly. <laughs> what's not to like? <laughs> Nothing at all. But it does. Like I said, it is to commemorate women in, in uh, modern mining and women in general, you know. And, and what we bring to the table. And that's at three o'clock? Three o'clock. Estimated three o'clock. Of course, you have to make sure the area is clear, safe and everything. But they're estimating three o'clock. So it could be a little bit after. 
So if we come up to the Heritage Center, we can see it from right there, right? From our front window. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be nice. <laughs> exactly. Possibly, she hasn't committed yet. There might be actually treats out there. So we're, we are going to have a table set up out in the parking lot. And that's where a Newmont representative will be that you can speak with. And you can also view it right from there. That sounds like a good time to me. It's it's going to be a great time. Anytime, great time. anytime you got explosives and things that blow up, I'm... I'm in. I am too. <laughs> speaking of speaking of things blowing up, did you uh, watch Sniffy Joe's State of the Union address last night? Sure did. From start to finish. I no, I think we started a little bit late, but we watched it to the finish for sure. Yeah, I I did, and uh, there's a lot of people getting heat for that. Well, there's two people in particular who are getting heat for that, and that is uh, oddly enough from Colorado. Lauren Bobert and Marjorie Taylor Green, who are heckling Sniffy. And, you know, look, like him or hate him, I mean, he is the president of the United States. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily appropriate to heckle him during his speech. And what it was all about is it was a, I mean, I think Marjorie Taylor Green kind of, you know, threw some bombs in there every now and then. But, uh, you know, towards the end, he was he was kind of doing his his big crescendo and he was talking about deaths and soldiers and he was talking about his son. You know, it was kind of the same old stuff that Joe talks about. But even so, he was he was kind of getting into that whole thing. And Lauren Boebert said something along the lines of uh, I think Joe was talking about flag draped coffins. And she said, you killed 13. She was referring to the, you know, the the surrender of Afghanistan. Right. Now, to me, that's a that's kind of low budget. Yeah, it's and like you said, you know, it the man holds the highest office in in our country, and there should be a sense of decorum. Yet to be heckling out there is not necessary. Not that it hasn't happened to other <laughs> presidents. Let's be honest. Skeletor Nancy Pelosi when she tore up Donald Trump's speech. Exactly. I thought that was highly inappropriate as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't know if this is the other party trying to get back at that because all of us remember that. And we're probably going to remember that for a long time. Well, she's getting pushback from her own party. Yeah. Well, I mean, she, she was booed by everybody. I didn't really understand what was going on at first and right, I didn't know there right. was Lauren Boebert. But then they, they cut away and they did a shot of her. And it's like, oh, it's her again, you know? Right. But like I said, there should be, there's a decorum to follow. And that's, that's not the place to do that at all. Yeah. It's like when I was a young soldier back in the day, you know, you were always taught as a young private, it's like, okay, you can hate the man, but you have to respect the office. Right. Right. And uh, I think politicians on both sides are guilty of that. They, they just don't, there's no respect anymore. I mean, I agree with you. I agree. It, it just drives me nuts, but uh, I thought it was kind of classless. Um, I really did. And, and uh, man, she got pushed back today, big time. I was listening to um, some local radio stations and uh, she was on this morning and she was, you know, well, I couldn't take it anymore, blah, blah, blah. You know, she was spouting her, her party line. But uh, I think it's going to hurt her. I agree. Because she's up for re-election. Right, right. And, uh, you know, you want to act like a you know a little sophomore. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's really what I equated to. It wasn't as bad as Nancy Pelosi, but I'll get to that one in just a second. <laughs> but... Uh, I'm not a big fan of Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia anyway, because she's a, you know, she's one of those conspiracy theorists and, you know, she was a QAnon person. She had to back that off. Then, you know, it's like Donald Trump's election was stolen. So, yeah, I, I hit the off switch on that one. <laughs> I don't know. It was, uh, to me, it's definitely bear pile worthy. Absolutely. For sure. You know, so, uh, yay. Way to go, Lauren and uh, Marjorie. Anyway, speaking of cringeworthy, watching Nancy Pelosi during that whole speech. <laughs> Oh my, oh my God. 
And uh, you know, when Sniffy kind of gave out the speech to the to Obama and and, uh, and Nancy, he kind of had them mixed up at first. He was, he didn't know <laughs> which one to give you know to whom. Uh, Nancy was tracking it the whole time. Obama didn't even crack it. No, yeah, she would have got a paper cut if she actually opened that thing up. Probably, <laughs> probably. But uh, but Nancy was anticipating the big moments like a cheerleader. Yay! Now here's an 80 year old Botox cheerleader. The only thing it was missing was her cheerleader outfit and some pom poms. <laughs> I mean, she had her fists clenched together. She was just like, you know, banging them together, like so excited. And then the, the, there was a couple of times she stood up before Joe could catch up. She kind of got ahead of herself. The animation was hilarious. Oh, my God. It really was. And of course, the only thing that was moving was her mouth and, and below. Cause, exactly. Because everything else is filled full of gallons of Botox. Uh. But I thought, this is American politics and it's embarrassing. It is. It is. Where where have we where have we gone? <laughs> I mean, people wonder why I sit on the fence. It's like I don't want to be associated with either one of these idiots. You and me both. Nope, I'm independent. So. Oh man, it was so weird. A couple of things I took away from it was uh, when Sniffy started talking about being energy dependent, as we're still buying oil and gasoline from Vlad the Impaler. Right. I'm like, uh, what the hell? I mean, you want to be independent, there, Joe? Just click on the on switch to the pipeline and you solve the problem. And you're right. One switch. Boom. The other one I thought was was so funny was uh, when he was talking about, uh, you know, trying to be ahead of the economy in China and not, you know, being dependent on that. And we're going to build 500,000 charging stations across the United States. What? Uh, did anybody tell Sniffy, who do you think makes the batteries that go into those cars that don't exist? Right. <laughs> China makes them. You think? And I'm just like, oh boy. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of just, uh, you know, it's the same old party line stuff that was going on. It was, uh, it was cringeworthy. And like we talked before this, I have to say that was the most um, articulate I've ever heard Sniffy. And so I was kind of impressed by that actually. He had a couple hiccups. <laughs> you, you mean like uh, replacing <laughs> Iran with Ukraine? Right. I- Iranians instead of Ukrainians? <laughs> right. You see Obama's face? I thought she was going to fall out of her seat. <laughs> like, oh no, here we go. We, we got to take him back to the old folks' home again. Right. <laughs> well, you notice he's, he's only got, it's only a certain amount of time before he starts losing it. So, but yeah. for the most part, he was very articulate. He did play on things that were actually from the last administration, to be honest with you. Let's, we're going to build America, buy America, and all that kind of stuff. So it's very interesting how they're kind of turning things. A different direction. Well, I, I saw them cut to AOC a couple of times too. You know, oh, she, yeah. she was oh, up yeah. there in her little white suit. Uh, yeah. Uh, I wish they would have cut to her when he said, "Don't defund the police. We need to fund them." And right. he got he got a standing ovation from both sides on that one. <laughs> right. Right. He he went completely against what his party progressives have been preaching out of their pie holes for the last two years. Right. And oh, and now we're gonna actually take care of the border. Don't oh for, yeah. Don't forget that. I guess he, maybe he fired Obama from that. He must have, well, she never went, so. She still hasn't been there. Uh, correct. The only person that's been there has been Lauren Boebert with one of uh, Obama's cutouts. Did you ever see that, that footage? <laughs> oh my God. It was awesome. She went down there and did this whole 30 second spot about, this is what the border looks like, Kamala. Of course, we call her Obama. Right. <laughs> this is what the border looks like. You should come down here sometime and take a look at it. it I mean, it was, it was pretty funny. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. I'll have to find that for sure. <laughs> But I think as as Lauren finally found out is that uh, one uh, crap wipes out 10 attaboys. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I made it a point to stay awake and, and watch the whole thing just to see. And there was nothing really new that came out of it other than, you know, talking about 
Vlad the Impaler. And uh, when we were saying COVID just went away, mm-hmm. all, all it takes is just uh, one invasion. Correct. But you know what surprises me about this whole invasion of Ukraine is that people are so shocked by it. <laughs> the guy has been putting troops on the border surrounding Ukraine for, if not weeks, for months. And look, Vladimir Putin, Vlad the Impaler, he's a he's a throwback from the old KGB. In 91, when uh, Ukraine broke away and, you know, the fall of the Soviet Union, all that kind of stuff happened, he hasn't forgotten about that. Of course not. And people can say what they want about him, you know, whether he's a madman or, or whatever you want. He's a he's very, I have to agree with Donald Trump on this. He's, he's not dumb. No. He's been thinking about this since 2014. You notice how all this always happens around the Olympics? Right. 2014, the Olympics were there. And the, you know, the big test for uh, Obama at that time was, will he cross the, the line in the sand in Syria? And they use nerve gas in Syria, which uh, I'm sure the Russians were behind. Sure. I mean, anybody knows anything about Syria and Russia. He didn't say boo about it. So right. It's like, okay, that's the green light I need. Going to the Crimea. Mm-hmm. And that's only a step. So you start building up your forces. Well, here we have the Olympics again. And of course, we don't send any diplomats. So Xi Jinping and Vlad the Impaler are having a summit without really having a summit. And what happens? Two days later, boom, off it goes. And we kind of talked about that last week, but... Uh, what people don't know is like, you know, we're a recorded show. So anytime something happens, because we were saying that, yeah, for sure he's going to invade. I said, you know, there's no, it's a no brainer. And then as I'm editing the show Thursday, it's like, oh, he invades. It's like, oh, well, throw that whole section away. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think you'll invade, really? <laughs> but uh, it's, it's fascinating to see what happens with all this. And um, the oligarchs are the ones who are, are going to be the ones who are, they're scattering like rats off a sinking ship right now. Right. Because all those guys, fortune and money, millions and millions of dollars all over the world. You know what? I mean, all these sanctions are great. They're, they're, they're good. But don't think that the Russians haven't been planning on this for a long time. I agree. So if I'm Vlad the Impaler, I'm going to get rid of all my money and just start buying Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, think about it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you got all these assets. But, uh, you know, like any godfather, you start getting pissed off when people start cutting off your money. I, I think the ruble is probably worth, I mean, nothing. Right. You know, a gazillion rubles to the dollar right now, whatever, whatever it is. Right, right. Yeah, it's a horrible thing that's happening right now in the world. I mean, it's just taking, it's in the forefront of everybody's minds. Well, um, as it turns out, the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, guy's become a worldwide hero. Sure has. Because uh, he's not backing down one bit. The person that has his back is the former heavyweight boxing champion of the world who is the mayor of Kiev, and that is Vladimir Klitschko. So, uh, you know, the Russians got the backing of uh, fat bastard Steven Seagal. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that until you mentioned that in your email, and I was like... What? What is that connection? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we uh, we talked about him last summer when he uh, turncoated and had dual citizenship, and he's sitting there with Vlad the Impaler and their oh, yeah. their arm and arm. Oh yeah, I didn't realize the connect. He became actually a citizen in 2016, uh, a Russian citizen. Yeah. And so. so I'm sure he he shouldn't have been surprised when the Ukrainians said, "Um, yeah, you're banned from our country." Yeah. I, I always like the picture of a fat bastard sitting there holding a carrot. You know, like he's eating healthy. Right. What a douche. He is a douche. So, yeah, I think I think, uh, I think it's an easy solution. You just put uh, Vlad the Imperial's boy, fat bastard, in a cage with Klitschko. 
going to beat each other's brains out and uh, winner take all. Oh, sure. <laughs> Easy way to settle it. It is it is such a mess, but it's a, it's the human tragedy that's even worse, in, in my opinion. I agree. It seems like these days, war is almost an antiquated thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about egos. It's all about, you know, who's got, uh, you know, more money and all this kind of stuff. And here we are in a world that is so interdependent on one another whether it's Russian oil, whether it's Ukrainian wheat, whatever the case may be, it seems foolish that we have wars to take over land and property because of ego. I agree. I don't really know where he's coming from. I mean, what is truly the benefit? It's it's the reports to me that are maddening because you hear all kinds of stuff all the time on the, of course, it's the internet. And uh, if you're one of those people that's posting Nostradamus <laughs> predictions, you just need to stop. <laughs> Look, Nostradamus predicted that the world would end last year with a gigantic asteroid. So, you know, it's that or, or it's the people who are going to Revelations and saying, this is the last day. Look, you need to live in the present moment. For sure. <laughs> you're alive. You're breathing air. So put all that crap away and just go about your lives. Yep. But uh, I, I will say, though, the saber rattling and the you know threat of nuclear war is uh, it's kind of scary. It is. I don't think it'll come to that. I, I hope mean, not. Like you said, if it's, it, although it's antiquated as far as war taking over land and property, that makes no sense to go nuclear. No, not at all. And uh, right now, I mean, it's it's all it's all about psychological warfare. It's all about uh, propaganda and things like that. And people don't even know that they're on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Right. We're all on the battlefield right now. Yeah. So if you're getting freaked out and uh, like I say, you know, put the whole Nostradamus thing away. <laughs> right. The guy was alive in the 1500s and he was a con man then. <laughs> I mean, you got to get real here. Jeez. <laughs> well, Nostradamus said that uh, there'll be an attack on Paris. Uh, really? <laughs> and, uh, oh, I like the other one. There'll be earthquakes in Japan. Uh, yeah, every six months there's an earthquake in Japan. We know <laughs> right, that. Right. <laughs> and people are clinging onto this like it's the absolute truth. And then they, you know, of course they crack open the Bibles, they go to Re- Revelations, and and uh, then it all gets spun again. And, and, right. And they're freaking out. Yep. Like you said, living today. <laughs> Live in the moment. Well, when we come back, we'll be talking to a frequent contributor to the show, Victor Main Street Manager Kim Lodick. So stick around. We'll be right back. You know, moving can be stressful. I know. I've moved 13 times in 20 years and I've lived in four different states. When it finally came time to move back to Colorado, Woodland Park and Teller County were our target locations. But before I moved back home, I was looking for a real estate broker who understood and had experience with military families and knew the area well. I found Abode Real Estate and Joshua Dorsey. I called Josh right away and it only took 35 days to not only find our forever home, but to close and move into it. Josh understood exactly what we were looking for because he's a common sense person and knows a good deal from a bad one. He'll make every effort to make sure you get the home that you absolutely want and love. As your real estate advisor, Josh will focus on client satisfaction. His business is about service and he's not happy until you're happy. Whether it's finding you a home, finding the best loan, or helping you get the most out of selling your home, Josh is there to guide you. So if you're considering a real estate professional, give Josh a call today at 719-433-4444. 
888-345-4773 or email him at joshua at csabode.com. That's J-O-S-H-U-A at C-S-A-B-O-D-E dot com. I'm confident that you will be completely satisfied. Bear Cave with Dennis and Michelle, and right now on the line, we have our friend and frequent contributor to the show, Main Street Manager and Victor, Kim Lodick. Kim, how are you? Hey, guys. I'm real good. How are you? Doing great. Good. Thanks for having me. I just missed you on Sunday, by the way. I came up to Victor, and I was texting you, and you said you were doing laundry, and then uh, I saw your car kind of driving away, and uh, I, oh, was, sure. I, I was going to be that guy that just runs down the street yelling, Kim, Kim, but yeah. <laughs> That works in Victor. That works better than texting sometimes in Victor. I know. I'm going to keep I that in mind. About, I, for a second, I was thinking about I was thinking about hockey, Dennis. I assumed that you had come up for a hockey game on Sunday. No, but I did drive uh, by the rink, and it was uh, it was busy as usual. Yeah. I was uh, I was telling uh, Michelle about that whole thing too. That whole Victor Cup thing was way cool. I had a really good time up there. It was just a cool. It was so cool that you came. Hey, it was just a cool vibe. I mean, people were hanging out, drinking beer, eating food, and and uh, I was amazed at the level of some people that were playing hockey. You and and you, you guys got skills. Oh, thanks. There are there is some skill, major skill. Victor hockey culture is is a is amazing. I'm part of the culture. I don't know that I'm part of the skill culture, but I'll I'll get there if I if I keep trying. I was pretty impressed. Thanks. I, it was cool too because I got to talk to Mayor Gray for a while, and and uh, he was telling me that uh, he's like, oh, I'm a football player. It's like, how long have you been playing hockey? He's like, oh, I just started. I'm like, really? So it was a whole community event, and it was it was really badass. I had a great time, but uh, I can't tell you how fun it was for me to try. I tried. I did not succeed, but I did try pretty hard a couple times to steal the puck from Mayor Gray. I think I at least made him fight for it. That was very satisfying for me. Well, that's good because normally politicians <laughs> steal from other people's pockets. But uh, anyway, okay, I didn't say that. I was just kidding there, Mayor Gray. You're a, you're a cool dude and I enjoyed the time that we spent together. But uh, anyway, it's uh, uh, National Women's History Month in March. And um, I think, Michelle, you had, you had some questions for Kim. So every time we have a guest, Kim, we just kind of ask him, who, who would you consider a historic woman that either influenced you or that you feel has made a significant mark in, in our culture? Oh, that's such a good question. Recent In recent history, I have a really swift answer to that. A woman in recent history that's made a, a tremendous impact on me personally and um, a very positive impact on Victor culture and the town here and the, and the community vibe is Sean Frizzell. Um, she, I would think, is a a bit of a local celebrity. She worked for the Forest Service and she gave really incredible wildflower, edible and medicinal and useful lessons about our plant life for the Forest Service for a long time. So a lot of people know her. She's been vocal about a lot of um, women's rights locally and, and statewide and nationally, I believe. And she's just somebody in Victor that is very admirable, approachable, very wise. And she's just one of the one of the elder women in our community that I know a lot of the younger women look up to and, and hope to learn a lot from just about her character and her knowledge of the area and the history of the area and the plant life is really her expertise. So recent history, that's, that's a good answer. Um, Doc Susie, though, 
Doc Susie, to my understanding, without being a, a history buff, Doc Susie, at least near the turn of the century, was a female doctor that was highly regarded as somebody who was practicing with integrity and kindness and was a master at uh, medicinal arts at that time. I, you might, either one of you might know more about Doc Susie, Susie than I do, but she made enough of an impact. There's a TV show made after her and everything which I haven't watched. That's that's a great connection. Um, I, I like that you put out there Frizzell. Now, is she, is she related to Mr. Frizzell that does the artwork and everything? Yes, they were married for a long time. They aren't anymore, but they're very good friends. Um, Charles Frizzell is a nationally acclaimed artist. He's amazing. We see a lot of his work here. He also displays his work in Santa Fe, which is a big deal in art circles. Absolutely. Um, yeah, they were married. They quit being married, but I think she retained his name because they have children together and they're very dear friends. And the Doc Susie connection, I'll just add a little bit to that. Uh, her connection with Cripple Creek in particular was her father and brother lived here in, or up in Cripple Creek. And um, that's where she kind of started and made her way up into getting her MD and everything. And she's actually buried in Mount Pisgah cemetery I didn't know so, that. yeah is the show you're talking about would this be a dr quinn medicine woman yes it is absolutely that's it no kidding yep well when you talk about uh, uh medicinal plants and stuff like that i'm very very interested in talking to people about that because i thought about doing a documentary about mountain medicine and uh, I, i've i've heard her name before and i thought man she would be a, a really good person to talk to at some point so uh, yeah you, you need to hook that up for me there kim okay i'll work on it really hard then that would be awesome. I wondered if she would come on the show and, and talk a little bit a little bit about a project that's going on in Victor right now and statewide and nationally that a particular word squaw in quotation marks, we have to put that word in quotation marks these days, has it it's become widely understood and known that that word has a really negative meaning. I won't say it publicly, but anybody who wants to know should look it up on the internet and you'll be able to find lots of information about the not so recent, but pretty recent discovery that that word doesn't mean what we think it means. And therefore it's been, there's been an initiative to have any landmarks that bear that name renamed. And Sean is a very vocal advocate and knows a whole lot about the history of this this project and its relevance here in the area and nationwide. So I wondered if you would come on to talk about that. That's referring to the renaming of Squaw Mountain, right? Yes, sir. Yep. What do they want to rename it to? It's open until the early part of April. I can't remember the exact date, but it's open until April for, for public comment. I know that the, the term Bristlecone Mountain has some support. The name Sunnyside Mountain came up just because of our, our cemetery being Sunnyside Cemetery, but there is some some kind of tragedy happened at a location called Sunnyside Mine. So that name was not was not as supported as Bristlecone because the Bristlecone tree is, you know, is locally well loved. It's a beautiful tree, it's local. Right. There's probably bristlecone pines on that on that mountain, so it's appropriate. What's your take on there, Madam Historian? <laughs> so I was actually um, asked to give an opinion on this. And um, I, I started looking into it because I'd, I'd heard before that the word squaw was a derogatory term. And I never really looked into it until I was asked about my opinion about changing the, the name of the mountain. And I actually got two different versions of it. There's 
the term kind of comes from a Native American word that has nothing to do with what what we now consider what the word means. And I'll put it as gently as I can. <laughs> it has to do with female genitalia, basically. And and oh. I know, right? So that's what the word squaw is is being called today, or that's what it's being titled today. But there's also uh, the Native American side. I know some of them do support it and some of them just really don't care. I mean, that's what I heard from the person that was asking my opinion. And so I found that very interesting too. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I guess overall they're going to get pushback if they don't change it. Well, then I need to go upstairs and wash my mouth out with soap <laughs> right now. Cause I, I'm that kind of guy, you know, it's like, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm I'm not. I I I just find the whole I th- find the whole thing kind of interesting. Actually, you know, it is, it is, and it you know, like well, we were talking just before. It is kind of like a cancel culture thing, but is it? I mean, because nobody really has determined for sure what that word means. So I'm sure they're just going to go ahead and do it anyway, just to consensus that keep people happy and not angry. <laughs> the strongest and loudest voices of advocacy about this are the ones who really feel strongly that that word needs to be removed. And then there are the people who are like, I don't really care. So that's my understanding that they're going to, they're going to go ahead and and do the rename because there are people who care very deeply that it's done. I think to me, it would be, uh, I would take the lead from the native Americans and, and see what their take is on all this. You know, we committed cultural genocide as it is. And then, you know, now we want to decide what's best for everybody. So personally, I would leave it up to the native Americans and say, okay, what's your opinion on this and go with it. But what do I know? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that, Dennis, because what does it have to do with us us, if it's not harmful to them? If it is harmful to them, um, I very much support not being derogatory and insulting towards indigenous people, definitely. I agree. Oh, I agree as well. Absolutely. But if it is a a white person cancel culture, woke thing, then I'd I'd steer a little bit more clear of it myself. So that's why I I kind of don't, I don't know as, as much about the history or the the necessity as some people do. Yeah, me neither. But, you know, it is a, it is a hot topic button issue. And uh, like our motto says in the bear cave, we ain't scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is a hot topic. And yeah. for Women's History Month, it seemed appropriate to, to talk about and just get the conversation rolling. For sure. For I sure. agree. That's a, that's a good subject. Well, moving on to other things, uh, ongoings and Victor, I know uh, it's uh, Pearl's Follies time, right? That's, uh, that's happening this weekend, right? coming right up on the 5th. Yep. On Saturday. And I think Michelle, you have some, some more information on that as well, don't you? I do. Um, I don't know how many tickets are available now at this point. However, if you are looking for a ticket, it's $25. You need to contact Charlotte. Her number is 719-689-2485. And uh, it'll be hosted over at the Victor's Elk Lodge and doors open at 5 p.m. Be there, be square, as they say. Correct. The last I heard, there were there were very few um, tickets left that you could count on one hand. That's the last I heard um, a couple of days ago. So I would encourage anybody who already has tickets to make sure you don't blow that off. Yeah. And if you can get get your hands on some tickets and take that seriously, twenty five bucks is a real really a bargain for the caliber of this event, to my opinion. Well, not only that, you get food, you get some entertainment, and it's like, hey, maybe I can sneak in. If I bring a keg of beer up there, you think they'll let me in? No, Dennis. No, it's a cash bar. It's a cash bar. It's all to benefit the old homestead house. (laughs) Oh, great. There I go again. There I go, trying to crash the party again. All right, Kim. Well, we're going to let you go, and we're going to talk to you very soon. And uh, remember to 
Man, if there's a handful of tickets left and you're lucky enough to get a ticket to Pearl's Follies, you need to head up there to Victor this weekend. But nothing else. The uh, the weather is, I think it's going to be snowing again this weekend. But, uh, you know, it doesn't matter because Victor's a cool place. And you should just go there just because. Thanks, Dennis. All right, Kim. Thanks for coming in. And uh, we'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Have a great day. You too. That was Kim Loddick, Victor Main Street Manager. And when we come back is Trevor Phipps. More Women's History Month stuff. So don't go away. By making gradual changes in your life, you can achieve your goals. Perhaps it's a change in your diet, losing a few pounds, or reducing stress in your life. You can always improve your health. Animus Wellbeing practitioners in Woodland Park believe that beauty radiates from within because being healthy is beautiful. No matter what your age, they can help you improve and enjoy a better quality of life. If you want to explore ideas on how to achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life, you've come to the right place. They currently offer nutritional consultations, personal cooking classes, catering, and even guided meditation sessions for both group and individuals. Let them help you achieve a life of optimal well-being. Check them out at Animus Wellbeing. That's A-N-I- M-A-S-W-E-L-L-B-E-I-N-G dot com. Welcome back to the Bear Cave on Spotify, anchored by Spotify and Podbean. And right now, our field producer and man about town, Trevor Phipps, is in the Bear Cave. Hey, Trevor, what's going on? Not a whole lot. How are you guys doing? Hey, we were we were taking a pool to see if you were going to make it back from Vegas in one piece. But uh, um, yeah, you made it back. Yep, I made it. Had a good time. Everything went well. So you went you went to a wedding, right? Yeah, it was my sister's wedding. Was it an Elvis wedding? No, oh. it was on the stratosphere on top of the tower. So we were overlooking Las Vegas. Wow, really? Awesome. Uh, That's yeah, pretty cool. I'm, I was hoping you were going to say like you were at the little white wedding chapel and Elvis was being the minister, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> No, I think they thought about it. But. Trevor, well, uh, other than national world stuff going on, one of the things that kind of caught my attention was the uh, school board. Man, there is some serious debate going on right now online and on uh, kind of social media and stuff like that. I honestly don't even know where to begin. Maybe you can sort it all out for us. What's what's going on with all those shenanigans? Well, um, I guess basically when I was out of town, I heard during a work session last week, there was a, a group of citizens, mainly business owners and residents that presented to the board, basically a plan to consolidate some of the buildings because pretty much all the buildings are operating around 50% capacity or less within the school district. So they thought that the best idea was to basically consolidate and get rid of one building. And then instead of having to find somebody to rent or lease that building, they suggested that we already have the Merit Academy, which is going to be a charter school coming into the district. So they recommended that they give that building to the Merit Academy and then basically consolidate everybody that was in Columbine into the other between Gateway and the middle school. There were some business owners that were pretty angry about that, right? Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of people upset on social media going back and forth. And then uh, recently I talked to the school board president, David Resterholtz, and he said that it was just a plan that people had presented to them and that wasn't what was going to happen. Then basically what is going to happen is they're going to somehow section off the middle school since it's only operating at about 40% capacity. They're going to cut it in half somehow to where 
Merit Academy will move in half the building and then the middle school will keep the other half. And then that way, none of the students within the district will be displaced, meaning they won't have to move from a diff- to a different building that they're already at. Sounds like he's been talking to Vladimir Putin. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going to attack. We're not going to take over your school at all. And <laughs> voila, here we go. It's just weird. I mean, some of the things that have been going on lately is is that, uh, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but which I probably am because I am all the time. It seems really odd that we have a Woodland Park superintendent go on national news, not once, but twice. And, uh, you know, you got to know somebody to, to know somebody to know somebody to get on national news. I mean, it just seems kind of odd that, that all this stuff is getting this much attention. And it uh, it points towards, uh, I don't know if there's shenanigans going on or not, but uh, it's, it's kind of weird, right? Yeah, it's definitely been a lot of coverage as far as Woodland Park schools goes. And the superintendent wasn't on national news twice, but Fox and Friends did a feature of the Merritt Academy a few months back. And then a few weeks ago, the superintendent had a thing as far as his policy change when it came to controversial subject matter. See, you just proved me right. I'm never right. (laughs) (laughs) There's been schools in Woodland Park that have been on Fox and Friends specifically twice in the past six months or so. It, it is strange. And then uh, I think I read somewhere else that Miss Eilingworth had resigned from the board of the Merit Academy. So I don't know if that's, uh, I, I don't even know what's going on. It, it's just, a, there's a lot of lawyerly stuff going on, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, David Eilingworth announced at the last meeting that his wife had stepped down from the board of the Merit Academy. He said that it was mainly due to personal reasons, not due to them thinking that there was a conflict of interest or anything like that. Yeah, it couldn't have been the heat being piled on by everybody in the entire community on uh, the weird shenanigans that are happening. But uh, uh, he made some comment that it was more to keep peace at his own house (laughs) than it was to keep peace in the community. (laughs) Well, I guess I I don't have a comeback on that one. So, (laughs) hey, rock on there. uh, Lawyer, what do you think about all this kind of stuff? I mean, you're you're kind of the guy in the know and and uh, have your finger on the pulse, so to speak. Yeah, I, I don't really know what to think about it because kind of I I see both sides. Like there is there have been some problems with the school district, and they are spending a lot of money to maintain buildings that are half full. But then I've also heard some of the arguments from the teachers, and I don't know that the way they're going about it is the absolute correct way to do things, but. You know, the only thing I don't want to see is is using kids as uh, like human shields, you know, in your in your fight, either for or against. And uh, or like pawns in a political game. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, everything that's happening in the entire world right now. And it, it just kind of kind of bothers me. I don't know. What do you think about all this, Michelle? I kind of agree with Trevor to a degree. I mean, I see what they're trying to do. You have all this extra space and it makes sense to utilize it instead of wasting it. So I get that. But I agree with you also. It's like the kids don't need to be worrying about this on top of everything else of, you know, daily life. So I, I agree with them as far as keeping the kids in their same situation instead of displacing them, because that's just going to screw everything up. And we're trying to get back to some sort of normalcy. So um, I agree with you, Trevor. I do see both sides. Teachers have a say in it as well. The other thing I saw, too, on some social media posts were that people still want to keep the mandates in and all this other kind of stuff. So there's a lot of division going on. So I hope they can just work it out. But um, anyway, 
And moving on from that, uh, what's happening with the city council these days? Um, It's been kind of quiet, it seems like. This week, they're having a meeting. Well, a couple things are declaring Rusty Anthony Day, which he was a longtime city employee that passed away recently. So they're going to honor him at the meeting. And then they're also going to have a presentation and placement approval of a Veterans Memorial Memorial Park by Jim Weir from Pro Promotions. And I think I remember them talking about that before. I think he's going to set up some sort of other Veterans Memorial. So does that mean the Wild Hogs are coming back to uh, Woodland Park? Um, I, as far as I know, that's still the plan. Did not receive any city money to do so. Oh, really? That kind of surprises me because that's uh, it seems like uh, a lot of promotions do get city backing to promote that. So, eh, well, good for them. Good for him. And then kind of the, the other, the only other big thing really is that they're putting on initial posting to change the ordinance to allow for the possession of firearms and establishments <laughs> selling alcoholic beverages. <laughs> the public hearing will be in March. So you'll be allowed to go to the bar and drink and <laughs> and have a shootout afterwards. <laughs> All right, meet me outside. As long as no one gets hit, you know, there's a wild west stipulation of the law. Meet me outside, Tex. We're going to have a duel. Parties agree, I guess. You know. uh, I, I guess. You know, I, I did see some postings from some city council members, you know, cheering the, the big victory for the Second Amendment. It was like some... Alcohol and guns is such an awesome combination. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Now we just need to add sex, drugs, and rock and roll to that. And, and we're <laughs> yeah. in. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I guess it depends on where you're coming from. But like I said, I'm, I'm the new guy. I don't go to a lot of bars, obviously. But every place I've gone into, somebody's had a firearm. So and Yeah, I, I didn't even know it was a law. Like in Cripple Creek, I know it's a law because they have signs saying that you can't openly carry guns in businesses and casinos, but I've never seen any signs with the parks. I didn't even know it was locks. I've seen people do it a whole bunch of times. That makes three of us. I had no idea that there was any kind of law in the books at all with that one, but uh, uh, you're pretty funny sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we can move on from from that stuff. Hey, uh, sports wrap up. What's happening? I mean, we're kind of ending everything, right? And uh, I know peewee hockey is a big deal right now. Yeah, they've been doing really well. It's supposed to be a pretty good junior hockey program they have, and that's what's been farming the high school team. Been pretty successful the last couple of years. That's pretty awesome because, yeah, I, I think I read that, um, I, I don't know how the leagues all work, but they uh, they finished second place, whether it was a state tournament or not, and I think they have a tournament this week. But uh, anyway, hey, good for you guys. You're doing us proud. Way to go. How about wrestling? Wrestling, there's kind of some good news, hand bad news mixed in with that. Senior Brady Hankin, who had won state championship his first three years of his high school career, was in line to possibly win it four times in a row, but he ended up losing the final match by one point. Oh. Ended four to three, one point. It was the same sophomore that was a returning state champion that it had beat him two times earlier in the season. So he ended up taking second place in his weight class. So that was kind of, they were kind of upset at that. They were hoping to see him be a four-time repeater, but he took second. And then there were two other seniors, the twin brothers, Adam and Eli Garner, that they each took third in their weight classes. They had a really good day at the tournament. And unfortunately, there's two girls that went to state tournament, but they did not do well enough to place. You know, there's some good news here, though. I mean, the good news is that we got some podium finishes. And um, Brady, I, I'm sure he got a scholarship somewhere, right? 
yeah, he's he actually will be wrestling in Greeley next year at the University of Northern Colorado. His dad, Casey Hankin, who's currently the head coach of the wrestling team, he will be resigning so he can go up to Greeley and watch his son wrestle at the college level. That's a that's a lot of dedication. Good for you, Dad. You know what? Things are looking up. I uh, I think that as long as the program's moving forward, it can only get better, really, because I know we have a junior wrestling program in Woodland Park too that's that's doing really well. So you know, whatever's happening, kind of at that junior level that's filling into the high school level is a plus as far as I'm concerned. The other good thing about that is there's a lot of girls currently in the junior wrestling level that are getting good that will be wrestling in high school once they get up to that level. So next few years, there should be more and more girls that are coming into the high school wrestling program, competitive ones that have been wrestling. And being that it's uh, March and National Women's History Month, that's pretty cool. That's way cool. Well, you know what? Before you know it, you and I will be eating bad popcorn and watching Vibes games. They officially continued their relationship with uh, the Aceleros de Monclova of the Mexican Baseball League. So they will be the farm team for that team again. So it'll be the same as last year where most of the team are younger boys and young men from Mexico. Are they still looking for uh, sponsorship and homes and things like that? Because uh, <laughs> I haven't heard anything new on that one. That was kind of weird. Remember we talked about that? that uh, yeah. Almost below single A baseball team is looking for sponsors to house these guys. And hey, I hope it works out for them. Another thing that the press release said that was kind of cool is last year was the first year that they did this kind of partnership and they kind of did it to give some of the Mexican players more of a chance to get into the major leagues. And last year it ended up that five Rocky Mountain Vibes players ended up getting contracts in some sort of major league farm team. That's cool. So it's it, it's worked. That was kind of the point of the partnership, and it's worked. So they're doing it again this year. Any uh, any uh, time frame on when opening day is going to be? You know, they have the schedule out, and it was originally set to be late May, I believe. But now that baseball at the major league level is on lockout, they're not going to be starting on time. Spring training's canceled, and they suspended at least the first two weeks. So I, I don't know how that will affect Pioneer League, or if it will, if it won't. That I'm not sure about. I keep getting press releases like the vibes. I know uh, we sure had a good time at going to the games last year, and uh, yeah, I plan on going to more of them. So, uh, well, in high school baseball, be start starting up here soon too. Oh yeah, we were out a few games last year of that. Yes, we were. Hang out at Meadowood. Which is an epic complex, by the way. I mean, I haven't seen a baseball field that cool in a very, very long time. So, uh, yeah, we'll be hitting that as well. I think they dedicated it to former Mayor Neil Levy. Oh, that's cool. So it's going to be like Levy Field or something like that? Yeah, I think I think so. I'm not sure if the dedication is actually finished or finalized yet because I haven't been to the stadium since last year, but I know it's gone through city council. And, and I think there was an improvement. They were going to fix the scoreboard and I think there was a grant for an improvement that came with his dedication. Yes, we can see the scoreboarding instead of walking out of the stands and asking what the score is all the time. <laughs> yeah, that'll be nice. All right, man. Well, I'll, gl- I'll grab my, uh, my glove and my hat and uh, you and I are going to be busy this summer. Yeah, I can't wait. I spent a lot of my time at baseball last summer. Yeah, it was kind of fun. We had a good time. Well, we're glad that you're back. The uh, entire Bear Cave family is back in the cave again, and uh, I guess we'll see what happens next week. We'll talk to you then. All right. Sounds good. All right, Trevor, thanks a bunch. All right, well, that was uh, Trevor Phipps, our man about town and field producer. Like we said before, it is Women's Month, and um, I have some women I want to talk about. You do, and and you kind of passed along to me a little bit, and so I'm I'm excited. I mean, I could go on for hours talking about these women, but I, I call them the NASA Three. If you've ever seen the movie Hidden Figures, 
those are the women I want to talk about. The first woman was Katherine Johnson. She was an American mathematician whose calculations of orbital, I can't even say it, <laughs> orbital, orbital mechanics. <laughs> yeah, she's a mathematician. What right. the hell do I know? <laughs> But uh, anyway, it was critical to the success of the first and subsequent U.S. crewed space flights. She was born in 1918, and her work included calculating trajectories, launch windows, and emergency return paths for the Project Mercury that included Alan Shepard and John Glenn. And uh, if you if you kind of recall that whole movie, she was replaced by then working computers and. I, I can't remember the whole story, but she was somewhere and mm-hmm. John Glenn was in trouble. And they said, hey, get her back here right away. And she, of course, got on the chalkboard and right, right. figured out the calculations and got him back to Earth safely. She figured out the emergency return pass for Project Mercury and uh, the rendezvous pass for the Apollo Lunar Landing Module and Command Module on the flights to the moon. And her calculations were also essential to the beginning of the space shuttle program. I was able to film the last two space shuttle launches. Oh, wow. And uh, when that last shuttle landed, I think it was Endeavour, people were in tears because that was it. Right. We had no way to get back to the uh, ISS except for using Vlad the Impaler's taxi. Right. But uh, yeah, she was one of the women that essentially figured out all this kind of stuff. And she worked on plans for the mission to Mars as well. And she was the first African-American woman to work for NASA as a scientist. And she died, I think, in 2020, 2020. And she was 101 years old. Wow. An amazing woman. Absolutely. Mary Jackson is the next one. She was born in 1921. And she was an African-American mathematician and the first African-American woman to become an aerospace engineer at NASA, where she worked for over 34 years. And she was the essential person to analyze data from wind tunnels and experiments to real-world aircraft. If you, again, I kind of refer back to the whole whole movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she figured out that uh, surfaces weren't right, and you right. know some right. of the some of the mechanics were were off. Uh, yeah, she was the one that kind of figured all that kind of stuff out. Uh, she was instrumental in figuring out thrust and drag forces in order to approve airplanes and spacecraft. She was 83 when she passed away in 2005. She was also a big proponent. She fought for women's rights and discrimination for many years during her career. And the NASA headquarters building in Washington, D.C. was renamed the Mary W. Jackson NASA headquarters. I think it was uh, February of last year. Rightfully so. Last but certainly not least is Dorothy Vaughn. She was born in 1910. She was an African-American mathematician and human computer worked for NASA and was the first female to supervise a group at the center. She had a 28-year career and was the person who prepared for the introduction of machine computers. She taught herself, she taught her staff the programming and language for Fortran. She figured all this out. With nothing. Yeah, all the engineers are going, hey, you know, I can't figure it out. And then uh, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this this X, Y, and Z, all that kind of stuff. But uh, she later headed the programming section of analysis and the computation division at Langley. She also specialized in calculating for flight paths and computer programming, and she died in November of 2008, I think, at the age of 96. Yeah, these ladies lived a long life. They did. But uh, anyway, each one of these women worked together, and like I said, it was with a you know chalk, a blackboard, and a stubby pencil, and they figured all this kind of stuff out. Brilliant, brilliant women who the space program wouldn't be where, where it is today without them. Exactly. Those are kind of my three heroes. Well, so I knew you were going to present that. And if you've never seen the movie, I highly recommend it. It is actually amazing. I had to go back and watch it again. And why did it take so long to get that history? You know what I mean? 
I'd never even heard of it before. Just the fact that they were women to begin with. Yeah. And then women of color. Then women of color being discriminated against and had to fight all. In fact, they had to run like a half a mile just to use a bathroom. (laughs) Right. And uh, head of NASA said, "Okay, that's it. And and kudos. Kudos to him. Yeah. We're not black. We're not white. We're NASA. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway. Phenomenal. But um, anyway, so I like I said, I knew you were going to do you were going to talk about these ladies and also um, your fascination with space. And I know you, you probably covered this story before, but I thought it was pretty apropos for what we're talking about, not only uh, for women in space, but uh, I think this young lady is going to make history. I hope so. Uh, a young lady by the name of Nicole Ayers. Oh, is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's a Colorado native, native. In fact, she lived in Divide, which is very close to home here. And uh, she graduated from Woodland Park High School. That's kind of amazing. And she went on to uh, graduate from the Air Force Academy and she has a bachelor degree in math and a minor in Russian. That's going to come helpful. I bet she didn't go through the summit learning program. Probably not. <laughs> but the but the thing, big thing, the connection with her in space is uh, she actually made the cut out of twelve thousand applicants to become the next space crew. Wow! So only ten people get this opportunity, and she did it. And, and she still has a, a, a mountain to climb, too, because she is now just getting into the astronaut program, right? Correct. Correct. So she's only 32 years old. I mean, she's, to me, that's like a kid. I know, right? <laughs> right? And um, she, in fact, led the first all-woman formation of F-22 aircraft into combat. And she has more than 200 combat hours under her belt and over thousands of hours of flight time. So at 32 years old. I, I wonder if we can get her into the bear cave. Oh, man, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> but unfortunately, I think she's studying pretty hard right now. Um, they're getting them um, up to speed as far as uh, training to go into space. And uh, she's, and they're learning robotics and parts of that because they're going to be on the International uh, Space Station. And she has the opportunity to be the first woman to set foot on the moon. How badass would that, that be? That is totally badass. And right out of our neck of the woods. She's part of the whole Artemis program. And that, yes. that program has been going on for a long time. Yes. Man, wouldn't that be something if she was the uh, she was the one? She, yeah. And you said that would be your, your hero. Oh, no question about first it. First woman to step on the moon. So no, no doubt about keep it. Keep that name, Nicole Ayers, in the forefront because I, I think she's going to do it. It's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, you see, the, the whole thing about uh, the Artemis program, because that's a NASA-specific program mm-hmm. versus uh, the Dragon capsules and what Elon Musk is doing, who's <laughs> like light years ahead of NASA right now, it's definitely a possibility that, uh, well, I, I, I think for sure it's going to be a woman who's going to be on the next mission going to the moon. For sure. Has to be. Absolutely. And uh, if it's her, oh, I am so in. Absolutely. So good on her. And like I said, great history uh, for women. And let's let's keep an eye out for her. Yeah, we'll do it. That is one woman who is never going to be on the bear pile. Correct. <laughs> but speaking of the bear pile, it's that time again. And as you know, each week we nominate a top subject, event, and or people who should be tossed on the bear pile and eaten by the bears. The person, place, or thing to be thrown on the bear pile to be eaten by the bears this week is... 
the Chinese Olympics and the Dirty Olympic Committee for turning a blind eye and allowing a cheater who tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs to continue to compete. <laughs> Well-deserved on the bear pile. Yeah, exactly. Oh, guess what? <laughs> she has been banned from the world championships. Hey, somebody made a decision. Not because she had a hot test, but because the Russians invaded Ukraine. Oh. The nominations this week are number one, Vlad the Impaler Putin for putting the entire planet in peril with threats of nuclear war and invading a sovereign nation to boost his mafia coffers. Number two, the CDC for not commenting on COVID. It kind of went away. It did. And number three, Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert for their classless heckling and acting like characters out of a movie Mean Girls. Man, come on, ladies. It's time to grow up and stop trolling like little TikTok teenagers. Right. <laughs> Lord. Well, that's about it for us this week. Hope you had an enjoyable time listening to us on the show. And remember, quit watching Nostradamus. Stop doing that. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Abode Real Estate and Animus Wellbeing. Thanks to Kim Lodick for coming into the cave this week. And also, as always, our field producer and man about town, Trevor Phipps, for his contribution to the cave. As always, if you have an event coming up or you want to become a sponsor of the show, just hit us up on our Facebook page, This Week in the Bear Cave, or our Instagram page by the same name. You can access us and listen to the show on Spotify, Podbeam, or Anchor by Spotify. And your hate mail can be sent to thisweekinthebearcave at gmail.com. Our guest next week is going to be Vlad the Impaler Putin. We want to know how many rubles it takes to make a dollar. <laughs> I'm guessing it's about, I don't know, a gazillion about right now. <laughs> Probably. Nancy Pelosi was supposed to come on, good old Skeletor herself. But uh, she was getting Botox injections and she couldn't make it in. So uh, maybe next time, Nancy. Until next week, be well and thanks for listening. Sweet dreams, Sam and Max. This Week in the Bear Cave is produced by Animus Productions, all rights reserved in perpetuity.